Good day and welcome to the Cincy Slangin' Bearcat Podcast. I'm Coomer, joined as always by Hummer. Hummer, what's up, buddy? Coomer, you, you already know we, we were talking about this. The, the playoff expansion talk is heating up. And if the proposal that they are coming out with happens to come true, it is definitely a great day to be a Cincinnati Bearcat football fan. Uh, it's always a great day to be a basketball fan. We don't have to worry about that. Today, Today's football. I'm pumped. But you're also leaving someone out. We got someone here again joining us. Yeah, I'm not leaving them out at all. I mean, I'm just I'm introducing you first. The co-host is here, as always. It's It's the normal routine. But you're right. We are also joined by the councilman himself, Joe Barnett of the Republic of Cincinnati.com, is with us from the beginning. Joe, great to have you back on the podcast this week. Great to be here, boys. Well, Hummer did not bury the lead on this one. I think before we get into previewing the cornerbacks for the Bearcats football team this season, the biggest news of the week was, in fact, the college football playoff expansion proposal that the CFP management committee is putting forth as sort of a, a potential solution or a potential uh, improvement to the college football invitational uh, that we, that we so lovingly refer to it as. And, and I got to say a lot of the initial reactions, I think if you are a Cincinnati Bearcats football fan, I feel like you're you're receiving this well, at least the proposal. Joe, what do you what do you think about this proposal that they put forth this week? Honestly, I I can't believe that they're actually doing the right thing. The way that the proposal's set up, it gives the AAC champion not exactly a guaranteed spot in the playoff, but pretty likely. I mean, in the playoff, the AAC champion has been in a position like five out of the last seven years that they would be one of the top six uh, conference winners. So they would definitely punch their ticket right in. Yeah. And I I probably should do a little bit better job hosting here and provide a bit more background, but essentially the way that this proposal reads, and I'm, we're not going to hit on every single detail here, um, but essentially it calls to include the six highest ranked conference champions plus plus the six highest-ranked other teams as determined by the CFP's selection committee. So there really are no guaranteed spots for conferences. There's no max spots for certain conferences. There's no automatic qualifiers for certain leagues. It's just simply the six six highest conference champions plus six highest-ranked at-large after that. And it seems like a very pure way to go about this, which is why I still remain cynical that this is actually what would pass. It seems too clean, too, too objective, too, uh, it seems too easy, I guess, for a team like the Cincinnati Bearcats to work their way into this playoff. And that just doesn't seem to vibe with what I know about college football. This is where I just want to attack your cynicism here. Uh, because when you look at the college football landscape, we've known, everybody has known, including college football, that it's been broken. You know, they tried to rectify that with the BCS system to get us a national champion, right? And then we knew that that system was basically flawed from the first, you know, the first instance of that uh, iteration of those games. And we wanted more. And then that culminates in 2014 was an actual expansion of the playoff. Like they're dipping their toes in it. We don't know how this will work. Well, at this point, 
college football is better off if it's not just a handful of conferences playing for a national championship. It's what makes college basketball so great is the NCAA tournament and the, and how you can get there. You know, the little guy maybe doesn't have a chance of winning the tournament, but they have a shot of getting into it and playing and being present for, for some of those victory spoils. And that's what this system that they're proposing actually does. It essentially like, like councilman mentioned, we're getting, what amounts to is a, a guaranteed, unguaranteed, guaranteed playoff spot for the conference champion of the American Athletic Conference. You know, that is a way for the little guy to get in, but it also does allow a little wiggle room for other champions to get in there, like the MAC, you know, other, other conferences. Coastal Carolina, if you were going off of last year and you were going off the final college football playoff rankings, and I know, I know where you're going with this. With, with, with I'm the not going anywhere. That'll <laughs> go behind the scenes, but but that would have that would have actually been a year that you had two little guys in you would have had Cincinnati at the eight seed playing a home game against Georgia, the nine seed, and you would have had coastal Carolina playing Notre Dame, the five seed at Notre Dame. That's huge that, that you now have the opportunity and it makes college football better as a whole. And the thing I think is even more hilarious is that even in this proposal, the PAC 12 would have been left out last season. <laughs> Poor it's funny, you that. it's funny you mentioned that because one of the things I was actually thinking about what this does for the conference as a whole and pertaining, you know, how it pertains to Cincinnati. We have the ability, if you have this program or this, this playoff scenario uh, instituted that we could theoretically have a few years of run of years where we're just, we're a higher ranked champion for the conferences. And so we're getting higher seeds routinely than say the PAC 12 all of a sudden the profile of our conference is starting to rise to the point where we're now getting new, you know, new TV deal negotiated that the money does start flowing into the point where it does actually organically come and be a power six. You know, we don't have that guaranteed contractual spot maybe, but if we have that, that profile raised enough, it's always going to be a team from the American athletic conference. So I'm curious to see how that dynamic will play out in the future. And I'm not sure if you guys saw this too. I think this came out pretty late on Friday. But uh, Mike Oresco actually asked for an audience with the uh, P5 commissioners, basically trying to get them to agree that they could consider themselves part of the autonomous five, as it were, and go by their rules instead of kind of the, the rules set forth by the rest of the conferences. So I do think that's pretty interesting that he's already pushing this narrative even harder, like right away as soon as this came out. Can you can you do elaborate that on that a little bit more in terms of like I didn't see this news. So what do you what is he trying to what is he insinuating there or what is he directly asking for in that case? So he reached out to the uh, commissioners and I think uh, an, an email uh, leaked out via the same guy that wrote that big article on Brandon and did all the FOIA requests. I'm not 100% familiar with the details. I kind of heard it on uh, Mo Eger's show on Friday afternoon. But basically, they Mike Oresco has been trying to get a meeting with the other five, quote-unquote, Power Five conferences. So like the Pac-12, the, the Big Ten, the SEC. Um, ACC. Big 12 and ACC. Yeah. Okay. So he's Okay, so he's kind of negotiating with them in a way to to leverage the american as sort of being included in how they operate being able to separate themselves from the rest of the g5 conferences is that what you're saying correct yeah 
That's I mean, he makes he, he's bringing up a valid point that the American Athletic Conference is closer to the Pac-12, to the Big 12, to the American or to the uh, Atlantic Coast Conference than we are to the MAC. Like any of the, any of the rest of the of the conferences, there is a huge divide there in the types of recruits and the routinely the you know what you're seeing in in the products on the field. So it makes sense that he'd be going for that. And at the same time, you know, as, as much as I said, it's good for college football, and this is where I'm being really, really selfish. Uh, you know, it's better for the power five to have a power six and you're always excluding the little guy. Well, I do think it's obviously great news. If this proposal passed on its merits right now, if it just went forward exactly how it's written out here, and we went forward knowing that all we had to really do is be a conference champion and be one of the six highest ranked teams. Given how Luke Fickle has built our program up, given our preseason rankings right now, given the pipeline of talent in our program, we would be you know, licking our chops at what this means for our specific university going forward in the football space. It, it's clearly good news for us. But I think, Hummer, you made a great point that the the organic growth of the conference that this could lead to when you when it comes to you know, the prestige, building up prestige by qualifying for the playoff. Maybe you pull a couple upsets in the playoff and all of a sudden you're in, you're in the semifinals. Like this, this will elevate the, the, uh, the status of the American athletic conference organically. And I'm not sure if that's an unintended consequence of the changes. I do think that we're probably not the first conference that they're thinking about when they think about expansion by not having any sort of conference cap, this is also going to allow them to have three, four SEC teams or Big Ten teams in the playoff, which I think is another thing to, to consider here that how, are, how, are the, how is the college football playoff committee going to finagle this so that they continue to get the biggest conference, the biggest conferences and in turn the biggest schools involved in this, as many of them as humanly possible, but while continuing to exclude schools that have maybe earned their chance to play in this in the future. Do you see any of that as a concern, Joe? Not at all. Um, and, and actually a lot of the feedback online has said that the big winners in this are the SEC and the AAC, because now the SEC is probably going to get another one, maybe two teams in every year. And we all know that this ultimately comes down to money. They don't care about, as much the competitive nature of it, but they care about how much money they're going to be able to put in their pockets. And this expansion is going to be huge financially for the conferences involved. So, and uh, kind of jump back to your point about bringing the conference up. I do think you'll see uh, some of the other teams in the conference start to invest more money into their programs, knowing that they have a chance of getting some of that pie now for the playoff. Whereas, you know, before, you kind of know what the payout's going to be if you get to a New Year's Six Bowl game. But when we're talking playoffs, that's two, maybe three more games that you could make money for the conference off of. So I think it's going to be huge. Hummer, let me ask you something. You know, we had already been in talks with, I guess, alleged talks. I don't know how, how well reported it is, but there was rumors that we're trying to, you know, look at Boise State joining the conference as a football only contributor. Maybe not, maybe not even football only for them. Um, I'm not sure about BYU, but does it make sense for the American to pursue that even more? Like, do we want to go after some of these, you know, other G5 top level football programs to kind of elevate the conference even more going into this new 
college football playoff alignment? So I actually think that this is assuming that it's hard to say this in this way because we know that there's finagling with the rankings and it would be interesting to see what happened last year. Had the system been in place, does you see not flirt in the top 10 all year? Do they keep us right at, you know, 13, 14, 15 with the ability to say, Oh, sorry guys, your schedule wasn't tough enough. You know, you're not, you're not getting in this year or trying to keep you in that last six spot. I could actually see this accelerating college football expansion um, from the, from a conference realignment perspective. Uh, and you want to pull some of these bigger conferences may want to kind of, you know, kick the AAC down a notch. You might want to be able to try, you know, try to keep the, the conferences worse in order to open up the keep spots open because if the AAC gets elevated, let's say we do bring on Boise, let's say we do bring on BYU, right? And now we have a, a we have a, a solid lineup of top teams in the conference. We have Houston who can, who's would have made it in a previous year. We have UCF, we have Houston, we have Cincinnati. Now you add BYU, you're adding Boise. You know, that's a pretty solid conference right there from a football perspective. That's going to be hard to ignore. But if you're a Pac-12 and you, you're you sitting at 12 teams and you have a BYU out there and you have a Boise State out west in your footprint, you know, bringing on someone like that or the Big 12 expanding, taking on a Cincinnati or taking and taking on a, a UCF just to destroy the American Athletic Conference in that sense. You know, I, I actually think this might this is going to lead to all sorts of crazy scenarios, in my opinion. I don't think that's outside the realm of possibilities to see uh, another round of college real of conference realignment. What do you think about that, Joe? And, and San Diego State was another another school that had been in talks allegedly with the American Athletic dating back to 2019, I think um, maybe it was 2020. But do you see it? You know, the Americans specifically being more interested in adding additional teams. Do you think the Pac-12 would be looking to do that? How do you think this could imp- impact conference realignment or conference expansion, as Hummer called it? I think you got to follow the almighty dollar when it comes to this. Um, I think that the American, as it stands now, if they weren't going to get a big pay bump from ESPN or whoever their next deals with to take on those schools, I don't think they do it because it's not it's not really a good financial decision and they haven't really had an issue with any of those teams knocking them out yet. Not to say that that won't happen in the, in the future, but, um, and we kind of touched on this before we started recording, but Notre Dame's a big loser in this as of right now, because Notre Dame actually cannot get a buy because in that proposal, the top four ranked teams get a buy and they have to be a conference champion. So Notre Dame cannot get a buy and they've already been crying about it. So this <laughs> is this is a move that may actually have them considering joining the ACC now. Um, and that's really their only option. I think they're contractually obligated to sign with the ACC all the way up until like 2036 or something absolutely ridiculous like that. So Um, And that would be good for Cincinnati, too, because if the ACC does expand, I think they go by two. And Cincinnati, especially right now, is looking to be probably that second option. That's that's incredibly interesting. And, you know, as as a as a fan outside looking in, thinking about this expansion piece and what the American athletic may have been trying to accomplish when considering you know, adding Boise State as a football only school and adding San Diego State as a member of the conference, 
pre-playoff expansion, I think it makes more sense because we're a conference that's on the outside looking in. You know, last year was a perfect test case for how difficult it actually will be to ever make the college football playoff as a as a four-team playoff, that is. And so you're, you're basically looking to add additional schools to increase the legitimacy, and I'm putting legitimacy in air quotes from a, from a college football playoff committee standpoint. Because uh, honestly, that is very unlikely to accomplish what they wanted it to accomplish. But the idea would be we want to, to pony up and make our conference seem more legitimate, seem more powerful than it currently is, and adding additional schools like Boise or San Diego State may accomplish that. When the playoff committee decides to expand this to 12 teams, if that is what ends up happening, well, I, it may not be that, that necessary at this point. And I think the numbers and the, and the financial impact changes at that point, and the calculus has to, has to shift. And I'm pretty sure Oresco is aware of that. So I don't think it's a shoe in that they would do it. I do think it's, you're going to see conference realignment fallout from this. And Notre Dame is the case in point where whatever happens with them, they're probably the first domino that will lead to a, a reshuffling of sorts that that could impact Cincinnati. Let's be, let's face it. And how, how do you feel about that in terms of competing in the American athletic to get in the college football playoff and competing in the ACC to get in the college football playoff is the, is the additional revenue that comes from the ACC worth it in that case? I think a hundred percent They're what they're going to do. <laughs> raising my hand like a like a like a, like a chode here um and i don't know how to unraise it this is this is what's great um you actually clicked raise hand on <laughs> yeah so i'm lowering lowering my hand now but uh no i think it absolutely is because look at the end of the day they're going to renegotiate a contract deal with espn it's going to get renegotiated if you add partners just like it got renegotiated when connecticut was leaving you know, so there's going to be additional there's going to be additional revenue that's available there because at the same time you're getting more games. And honestly, the addition of Boise and BYU isn't the addition of you know out Western Michigan, right? It's it's not it's not the same. It's not going to be comparable. Yeah, you know, and I think that's where you're going to have maybe some of the other conferences are going to look at that a little more judiciously. Like the SEC may not be keen on wanting to add more add more you know partners to their conference because. They have a good. They have. A, they already put out a product on the field that's resulting in national champions. It's in, It's resulting in a lot of money to their schools. That they, they don't have to. But a lot of these other schools don't have that. There's a big discrepancy in the amount of revenue they're already pulling in. And so, if you're able to increase your conference, make the conference better, potentially get your conference having multiple teams into the playoff brackets, you're gonna you're gonna see a boon going all the way around. I definitely think this is going to lead to some sort of, of wonky shifts. And look, the ACC, there's a reason why they've been staying at 15 teams. Right? This could be another like ESPN behind the scenes deal to rip up the Big East, where they're basically being like, this time the force Notre Dame's hand into joining a conference. This is how you do it. Yeah, and I think stepping up to the ACC for the amount of money they make a year is a no-brainer. Uh, I think, you know, what we've been able to do on our budget has been nothing short of incredible football-wise, especially coming out of the tar pit that we were in. But with all that additional revenue, I think that it's going to be well worth it. If you're in the ACC, they're probably going to get two teams in. They probably have the opportunity to get three when we're at 12. So uh, I think it's absolutely a no-brainer. 
I agree with you. Yeah. And, and then you add on top of that, the, uh, what it does for basketball. So <laughs> I think no matter how you slice it, this proposal that they're putting forth this playoff expansion to 12 teams, it, we are a huge winner in this. Obviously the American athletic conference is a winner, but the Cincinnati Bearcats program at large so the athletics program for the Bearcats would be a huge potential winner if this proposal went forward, both from a, Hey, if we get pulled into ACC expansion or even just our ability then to, to get into the playoff on our own through the American athletic, I just think all of the above is going to be a good outcome for the Cincinnati Bearcats. What, what's the scenario where we're getting into the ACC though? They're already at 15 teams. They'll have two conferences of eight teams that they pull in Notre Dame. They would have, no, no need to, to add a University of Cincinnati to their conference. I think Notre Dame was the 15th um, in most sports, and they were the 15th in football last year, so they would need one more. Okay, so they, they do have the room, and that's where we fall in. Well, and, Joe gave uh, you facts. I'm basing it on me going to bed at night every single night wishing that we get asked to join the ACC. That's how I'm. That's what I'm basing it on. Nothing. I mean, I think it, I think it would make sense, uh, you know, from a standpoint of if you're looking at it, do you think Florida and Florida State really want to have a, th- a third, a third team from Florida in there in a, in a UCF? No. Right. They don't they don't want to do that. Um, as far as north north goes, we're pretty much outside of a lot of the recruiting footprint for them. Like not that they don't recruit in Ohio and, and up north, but there's no natural competitor other than Louisville. And, you know. That's I don't if anything that's a good regional rivalry to in to introduce into a conference like that. Yeah, and they've got buyer's remorse on Louisville. Well, short short term no, but long term yes. Uh, did you see this weekend where Louisville uh, sent out those uh, recruiting documents uh, that said ethical visits? So uh, a guy you see was recruiting Popeye Williams uh, tweeted out a picture of his ethical visit lanyard which is pretty sweet keep being you louisville uh what i was going to say is also uh when it looks when you look at the footprint almost every team in the acc i think it was all but two or three are actually closer than memphis is to us like all the teams in north carolina virginia maryland I think uh, Syracuse was even like somewhat close to being closer than Memphis, which I think is crazy. So we'd get a lot more road trips, good regional rivalries, because let's face it, eight hours to the nearest conference game just sucks. Well, I've mentioned this before to Coomer. You put us in a conference like the ACC or the Big 12 where we're getting to play Duke. We're getting to play North Carolina. We're getting to play, you know, Boston College and Syracuse and and all these schools again. We're back to being like we can start legitimately thinking about if we win a national championship, we go to Final Four. Like we're the we're, we're a blue blood. We have the history behind us that when we get that opportunity, like there is a we have the ability to get that in our resume of being considered one of those schools. We know coaches can come here and have success. We know they can recruit to here. We know that we can win national championships. We know we can go to final fours. So I think a lot of the stuff that's holding us back lately. Well, I don't know. Sometimes I don't want to dog Macron too bad, but it sounds like he wasn't wanting to give some of the guys like he wasn't shooting his shot big enough at times, but I think that can change if you get us into the right conference. Um, 
So I, I think it's a, it's a win, but either way, I'm going to go to sleep tonight and I'm going to be like, hmm, either we're in a, we're, we get, we get poached by the ACC or we don't either way. We have the legitimate shot of playing, you know, we're playing for a playoff spot. We're playing for a national championship. Yeah. And I think the, the I, we have to touch on this before we leave, but Luke Fickle has done a tremendous job building up this football program. And, and Joe, you alluded to this on limited resources and the recruiting rankings every single year can, they continue to shoot up. You're getting better talent, higher ranked talent, uh, more explosive athletes in the door armed with this information armed with a 12 team playoff expansion. What is he going to be able to do now? And I think it's a game. I don't want to call it a game changer. Luke fickle has already proven to be a very, he loves it here at the University of Cincinnati. He loves the community. He loves the university. But let's let's face it, he would personally want more resources and more money to to accomplish even more. This only helps that, which in turn helps with retention long term, don't you think, Joe? Yeah, and this was an absolute gift before their first official visit weekend this weekend because now you can pitch to every single one of these kids that probably in 2023 maybe 2022 the playoffs going to be 12 teams and uc's got a legitimate shot they would have been in it last year barring a absolute catastrophe this year they would be in that 12 team field as well so it's just an absolute no-brainer who's the recruit who recently put out on twitter uh, he's like you know i'd rather go and play at a uc and be be a winner Right. And then go and be like a 500 team in the, in the big 10. He's like, that doesn't, that doesn't sell me. That's not selling me. Oh, but you're going to play in the big 10. Like, yeah, I don't care if I'm going to be two and eight. That was, uh, great. that was that offensive lineman uh, that wrestles. I don't remember his name off the top of my head, but yeah. Yeah. And I think the, I think the quote would be attributable to, uh, to Bearcat journal as well, but I, I read the quote, don't remember the name of the player, but it is, it's the sentiment that I hope the UC coaches are selling these players on that, they're building something special here. You're going to come here and compete at a very high level. We're going to put the most talented players in the NFL draft, as we saw last season, and that's going to continue to grow. Um, and yeah, like you're, you're competing for something greater when you come to Cincinnati, as opposed to one of these, um, you know, seller dwellers in the big 10 or, or other conferences. Yeah. And I think that that particular recruit, it seemed like he was taking a dig at Rutgers, which I think is even more hilarious because <laughs> that, that whole deal just rubbed me raw. Rutgers when they got announced that they were like being poached to go to the, the Big Ten of just like it was like the one of the most like why like oh the New York market okay have you ever been to New York do you know how many people rock Rutgers Rutgers gear in New York no one no one gives a crap about Rutgers they don't they're the school of, they're the state school of New Jersey New Jersey is the butt of every single joke no matter where you live, if you live in, in New York, everybody jokes about half like Jersey and how bad it is. If you live in Philly, they joke about how bad living in Jersey is. No one likes Jersey except for Jersey. I'm going to give a shout out to my buddy, Coral, who's going to be listening to this podcast, who mailed me some beers. <laughs> so cheers, Coral. Enjoy New Jersey, the butt of the United States. <laughs> this guy, Hummer. You've been in New York. You've been a New York resident for what two weeks now, and you're already with the Jersey jokes. I love it. No, I w- I've been having Jersey jokes since I lived in Philly. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. If I can, if I can just maybe put one cynical uh, opinion on the on the on the record here, it would be this: 
I want to caution people when looking at past year's rankings and using them as, as to why it would be, you know, such a, such a win and, and such an easy victory for G five programs. And that there's going to be maybe room for two G five schools in future college football playoffs. Don't, don't get your hopes up last season. The rankings were built on the premise that there was a four team college football playoff. And that we already, we still saw major shenanigans with how the rankings were done. We saw Iowa state shooting up at the rankings when they really shouldn't have. We saw Oklahoma being placed in, in certain places so that we had, they knew that once they won the big 12 championship, we can have them leapfrog Cincinnati. My only point is that rankings shenanigans will continue even with a college football playoff that has 12 teams. And so using the past rankings as the case study for why multiple, you know, G five teams get in. I don't think you can do it. I still think we have to make sure we're, we're holding the, the, the forces that be accountable, but no matter, even despite my cynicism, bring back the is, computer rankings, take the human element out of it. This is clearly a, a huge victory for the American athletic and the Cincinnati Bearcats program. Mike drop. With that, Joe, you wrote an article for Republic of Cincinnati.com. We teased it last week. We are going to do our second positional preview for the Cincinnati Bearcats football team this week. We are flipping to the other side of the football. We're going to the defensive side. And we're going with a position group that, like quarterback, has very few questions. Lots of returning talent and very high expectations for the upcoming season. We're going to be talking about the cornerback position. And Joe, I'll let you kick things off kind of with a brief summary of where we stand as it pertains to cornerbacks. So this season, we're definitely going to be returning our three quote-unquote starters at quarterback. Um, and it kind of depends on how the team lines up on the first play, whether they start with two or three corners on the field. But obviously we've got Sauce Gardner, a guy who is so elite that you would have a higher completion percentage throwing the ball into the ground on every single play than throwing it towards him, <laughs> which is just an absolutely insane stat. Um he plays on the uh, boundary side of the field, so he'll be going up against the team's number one receiver, most likely. On the opposite side, we have returning super senior Kobe Bryant, who is probably going to be pretty high in the NCAA record books in career appearances. He's going to have like 63 games under his belt after the season. He's played in every game at UC so far. And uh, he's coming back for a fifth year, which was a shock to everybody. And then you've got Arquan Bush, who absolutely laid the wood against Georgia in the Peach Bowl. Uh, he'll be playing in the slot. So those three guys are, are really solid. I don't see any drop-offs from last year. Um, might be some slight differences in scheme, but I think we know what we got there. And then when it comes to the backups, um, we have a couple of guys that have seen the field. We've got some sophomores that are kind of making, making a name for themselves in practices. And then got a couple of recruits coming in. Uh, I use a Jarman from LaSalle. 
is one of those true freshmen that could maybe come in and play some special teams and maybe get on the field uh, a couple times this season. Well, we'll definitely talk about the depth in terms of the guys who are going to potentially be filling in when there's injuries or just when they're, you know, going to dime packages and whatnot. But let's start with the, the stars of the show, obviously with sauce Gardner, Kobe Bryant, Kobe, and, um, and Arquan Bush. So to try and put contextualize the, the level of talent we have in those top three with sauce, I mean, we're talking about a guy who's going to be projected in the early rounds of the NFL draft next season, assuming health and play, you know, play out like they did in the first two years of his career. Correct. Yeah. I, I mean, sauce Gardner is mentioned as one of the most elite corners coming out in this year's uh, draft. If he plays really well this year, he could be the first cornerback taken. He's got the height. I think he's six two. He's been putting on some weight in the offseason. He uh, his targets to get up to 200 pounds, which is a pretty good weight for a corner in the NFL. Um, he tested really well in the spring and some of the stuff Brady Collins sent out. I think he ran a sub four, three, five, forty. If I, so he's he's fast. He plays really well. He knows how to use the sideline to his advantage. I'm expecting an absolutely huge year out of him. He's been great since he stepped onto campus and I only look for him to get better. Well, and- I was, I was getting ready to compare him to Richard Sherman before he went out and talked about him being fast. You know, he's got this huge size, these great ball skills. Physically, he just kind of looks a lot like Richard Sherman to me when I see him move on the field. But if he's also got with that, some high level speed, that seems like a completely uh, I mean, that's just a game-changing component to him. Yeah, and I think if you look at, you know, his play on the field, and I, it's a real shame that he had those back spasms before the Peach Bowl because I don't think George Pickens has anywhere near the game that he had against Cincinnati if Sauce is on the field. No doubt. No doubt. And that's the and that was what was so frustrating, too, about, you know, comparing the, the absent the, – the players – sorry, the, when we compared – the guys we had missing in that Georgia game to Georgia missing those guys, the big difference between our schools isn't necessarily in who we have starting, but it's the depth of, at your positions. Right. And so when we're losing an all American safety and an all American cornerback, it can, it can, it can impact us more. You would expect than it would Georgia. However, as you stated, I mean, our depth last season even bared out very positively when you see what Arquan Bush did in that game, um, and what Hicks did in that game as well, which we'll talk about in the future. But I just think um, really, really high expectations for this team. When it comes to Kobe Bryant, any insight into well, why he came? Go ahead, Hummer. I was going to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got one one comment. I want everybody to take note, though. So between the quarterback's position and the defensive, the defensive backs, keep note as we go through the series here, we have potentially two, now two draft picks that are, way too early projections to potentially be first or second round draft picks, one in Des Ritter and, and one with sauce Gardner. That's huge. And we may have a third next week. I know. As a little, I know. As, a, as a little tease. <laughs> ah, I see where we're going with this. Um, I, I was kind of taking us here to Kobe Bryant. Was there any insight into why he did decide to come back for the super senior season? Is it, is it just, 
going for that next step with UC football? Was it not really projecting out to be the draft pick or, or fall in the draft where you would have expected? What's the, what's the situation there? I don't know specifically um, from, from what I've heard, he just wanted to run it back and try and make a play to uh, have a special season. I, I think Kobe would have been drafted probably, you know, around the same time Derek Forrest. He probably would have been a fourth or fifth round guy. But another year of tape, a full season. Um, he looked great last year. He actually led the NCAA in interceptions and man coverage. So, you know, he's got that kind of – he's got the size. He's got the ball skills that you look for in an NFL cornerback. So – to me, it was just a case of wanting to run it back, hem and sauce, no fly zone, and let's see what we can do. He so does what, have the sickest dunks, dunk skills on the team, too. I like that video you posted on that article. <laughs> I like it. So one big change on defense this season is that we're, we're moving on to a different defensive coordinator. Marcus Freeman took the, uh, the sponsored defensive coordinator job at Notre Dame. And in comes Mike Tressel as the new DC in Cincinnati in terms of how that could impact and this, how could this impact transition the style of football we're accustomed to from our cornerbacks? Or do they see major change this season? Um, and maybe we're talking projections here or, or is it going to largely be maybe the same scheme and same style of play that it's been under Freeman? I don't see a big change. Um, Michigan state under, uh, Trussell and therefore under D'Antonio pretty much ran an exclusive four, three defense. Um, so they actually only did a three, three, five on passing downs. So they actually ran two corners more often than we do. And that might be a case of playing in the big 10 um, where there's a lot more power running and that kind of thing. But we haven't really been tipped off too much on what Trestle's going to run here. I think he's going to be multiple this season, at least because he's got the talent. Um, but they ran a lot of press man coverage at Michigan state under Trestle. And when you look at the numbers, uh, when Trestle was the single defensive coordinator in 2018 and 2019, um, passing yards, they were pretty similar. We were kind of in the same range. Um, I think they, I think we swapped in 2018 and 2019, a matter of like 20 yards, but they did pretty well in the red zone, uh, preventing passing touchdowns. So they run kind of a similar style to Freeman where they're okay. Letting the guys get down the field and getting some yards, but then get to the end zone and just shut them down. Which is kind of how that Georgia game played out. Uh, early on in particular where they were getting some op you know opportunities closer to the red zone. And every time they got there, either there was a stop, big stop by UC or in, in the case of uh, Mr. Brian himself, a big interception in the end zone. Yeah. And I just, I don't see a lot of differences and, you know, if it's not broke, don't fix it. I don't think Luke fickle is going to let uh, Trestle walk in here and just completely change the defense. Uh, I think he's going to give them some, creative licensure but i think we're going to see a lot of different defenses this season i think we'll see some standard four three we'll see some four two five some three three five three four four i mean the sky's really the limit with the depth that we have one guy who's uh, a part of that depth that you have been referring to is justin harris 
who folks will remember from the Georgia game after that crushing loss. Uh, his A photo of him standing on the sideline, I think watching them celebrate, went viral. Hummer and I actually talked about this on the podcast, and I, I, I guess maybe I'm known for this now. I was a bit cynical about it. You know, it felt it had JJ Watt vibes. That's, you know? That is that is your favorite word. Um, cynical. Hey, yeah, it's, you should just put that. You should put that in your bio. It could bio. be a crutch. It could be a crutch. Like it you could should, be. A you crutch. should just put it in your bio. Like cynical, cynical podcaster. Uh, cynic, cynic of anything that has to do with rankings done by quote unquote yeah. professionals. Okay. Uh, I <laughs> I think we should change the podcast to the cynic slang and podcast, the cynic slang and podcast, but I love it. I I love it. I love it. He goes out there. He doesn't know there's a a photo, you know, I know that's what I'm saying. Take a photo and send it on Twitter. He's sitting out there like, you know what? This is what I want to do. This is what I want for me. me. I want to believe unfinished business. I think it's like, that's going to be the, that's going to be the theme of this year is unfinished business. So we're talking about Justin Harris here. And in your article, Joe, you say that this is someone you think is going to have a breakout year. Tell me a bit more about Justin Harris and why you've got high hopes for him this coming season. Justin Harris played in the reserve role uh, quite a bit this past season. I uh, played a lot in the Peach Bowl. Him and Taj Ward kind of made up for the the lack of sauce, as you would say. Um, <laughs> and, and he's just been a solid contributor on the team and I think, you know, especially seeing that picture, I mean, could you imagine being so close to, to hoisting that trophy and standing there and thinking, man, if only I did this or, you know, if I would have made this one change, we could have won this game. So I, I think he's going to play hungry this year. I like it. I like it. And I'm, I'm sitting here thinking about my take, and I got to say, I think you owe him an apology. I do owe him an apology because the difference between him and J.J. Watt is that J.J. Watt is the one controlling where those cameras are and being there to see him on hard knocks, working out by himself after practice, putting on a show for the people. Justin himself was just standing on the sidelines and someone else took a photo of him and put it online. So not his fault. Bad take by me. I'm taking it back and uh, making amends. And, and really reevaluating myself and my cynicism going forward. And, and really not even so much the, the mentality, but using the word over and over again on the podcast. I'm going to really have to go back to the drawing board and, and reevaluate how I'm doing this. Um, uh, no, he says that until we get to October and like the, the first uh, you know, like ranking computer ring or whatever they are come out. And he's just like, told you, I told you they're, 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 they're the fake rankings. <laughs> the college football invitational. I mean, it's yeah. I think it's well-founded. There's, there's lots to be skeptical about when it comes to college football. Um, When you are a program like Cincinnati, they need to, they do, they do, they, they they need to take a more of the human element out of the selection committee. It's just, you know what? It sucks. Go by the computer rankings. Just do it. You know, because we all know that then that takes out the corporate interest unless you have the algorithm now tied to it. But um, I, 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 I love the sentiment that you think Justin Harris is going to have a, a big season. I feel like all of the, all of the ingredients are there. You know, the talents there, the, the hungers there, the experience is there. Uh, you know, and so there, there's, there's also going to be a lot of added experience on the roster. So, you know, having a super senior like Kobe Bryant on the, on the roster too, I think is going to be a big help. You got guys who now are super ingrained into the Luke fickle culture that they know it like the back of their hand, you know, they're, they're going to be wearing that culture on their sleeve day in and day out. 
and they just have so much experience with it. And I think that's going to lift the team from top to bottom having that. And the fact that you get a guy, like you mentioned, Kobe Bryant, who could have potentially landed on an NFL roster, decide to say, no, I'm going to come here and I'm going to finish school or uh, get a master's degree, whatever he's doing for his super senior year. <laughs> he's getting his doctorate. Or, or if he's like me, he just took the fifth year because uh, you partied a little too hard in freshman with the freshman. Um, no, so I think that's awesome. I think I, I actually, when I saw that tweet, I thought, I think, I think everything about that tweet from Chris Milton was spot on the money that Justin Harris has potential to be the most dangerous man on the roster because you know he's playing. He's hungry. He wants it. And he's going to go out there and he's going to get it. So we should have done this in week one with Des Ritter. I think, I think we should make some predictions. It doesn't even have to be just wild predictions by position group. So with quarterback, you know, you were going to be predicting what Des would do. And I think we did kind of hint at maybe what kind of production he might have. When it comes to the cornerback position, are there any surprises you expect? You know, I think in your article, you said you didn't expect freshmen like Jarman or Malik Rainey from Chicago to get a lot of playing time this year. Are there any kind of, you know, surprises you'd like to put on the record here as a prediction? Or um, do, you, do you expect us to replicate our performance from the past season where we're a, a top five secondary in the country or close to it? What do you what are you kind of seeing as the outlook here, Joe? I think this unit had, especially with, uh, and we'll talk about safeties in a few weeks here, but um, I think this pass defense has a chance to be just as good as last season. I think it's going to be hard to hold up to those expectations over a 12 game season, especially when you're playing at Indiana and at Notre Dame, um, who obviously have question marks too. But I actually expect this defense, this defense to finish top 10 in uh, passing yards per game and pretty much all those defensive statistics for passing. And I think you'll actually see Sammy Anderson break out as a, uh, I guess he'd technically be a true freshman again, since last year didn't count. I think we'll see him come onto the field and make some big plays. I don't think we're going to see sauce threaten um, the interceptions record set by Mike Mickens or the single game uh, or the single season record set by D'Angelo Smith. So, um, but I think we're, they're going to be awesome again. I don't see any reason why they wouldn't be. I don't think any scheme changes are going to hold them back. And I think that sauce is going to be a first round pick. That's exactly what I was looking for. Those that's the exact type of, analysis slash predictions that I was looking for um, with, with Ahmad Gardner, what, what kind of goes against him from an interception standpoint, it, I used to love watching champ Bailey play in the NFL and think he was probably the best cornerback that I ever saw. But the reality was he just never got tested and they, they did everything in their power to stay away from him and funnel everything through, you know, the second corner, the third corner. And I think you will see Bryant, and Bush and other corners get challenged a lot more frequently, which will give them many more opportunities uh, to rack up those interception numbers, but it doesn't dampen the impact that Gardner's having because it really, I don't think you can speak highly enough about everything he does to lock down one side of the field for the Bearcats. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. And if I had to make some crazy prediction, I would say that that Gardner or that, um, 
Right. Like, that Kobe Bryant would be the one that would threaten the interceptions record more than Sauce because he's going to get the ball thrown at him more. So he's going to have more opportunities. Any parting thoughts from either of you on the cornerback position? Um, I think that Sauce, you know, if he's he's not going to be threatening the, the interception record because uh, the, the the modern analytics in the game are just going to say, let's not throw to him. This is dumb. This is, like I said, we have a better shot of having, uh, to quote the councilman here, uh, we have a, they have a better shot of completing a pass if they throw it directly into the ground than to throw the ball towards Sauce Gardner. Um, but I think going into his favor is we are going to play a few more games this year than we did last year, hopefully, um, including one against a probably terrible, horrible Temple team um, that we didn't get to play last year. We also get some e, yeah, ECU in there. We get some 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 U, uh, USF in there. You know the schedule for us for the from the conference perspective, we're we're not playing a lot of the top. We're not playing a Houston. Um, we're not playing Memphis. You know we're we're not playing a lot of the top top of the conference. So the schedule on the backside is going to be a little weaker. So I think there might be an opportunity for him there to to pick apart. Uh, you know some some of the defense uh, some of the offenses from those opposing teams. Um, I, I think that you're 100% right, though, with Justin Harris. I think he's going to be a surprise one. I think he's the one that jumps out onto the uh, NFL draft radar by the end of the season. Yeah, and, and I don't think that we're going to see Sauce and Kobe play a whole lot against Miami and Murray State either. I think I think you're going to see a lot of those younger guys take a lot of snaps in that game because, let's be honest, the the talent isn't going to be there on the other side of the field. I'm, I'm not saying they're not going to play, you know, a half, but I think they're going to be rotating in pretty heavily with some of the, the reserves to get them some valuable game experience. I just love the running bit of making sure every week we talk to you, we make mention of the fact that Miami is now looked at as an equivalent to Murray state. Congratulations, Miami. And, and it's kind of unfortunate because they've been pretty fair in the Mac the past couple of years. Uh, but I, the gap is just too big now, and I hope I never I like have to that. eat crow for this. But the gap's too big. <laughs> I like how I, I do like how like you know when it comes to the the American Athletic Conference and the AC, ACC, and we're just like you know it's like it's a completely different conversation. Like yeah, we're like we're just as good, we're closer. But then from their perspective, they're like oh, it's the American Athletic Conference. They're so trash. They're not worth a they're not worth the ground that the schools are built on. Uh, and then, like with us, we're just like, yeah, the Mac. It's not even worth it. They're trash. They're terrible. They shouldn't be allowed into the party. Uh, we're saying play. Miami. We're saying Miami specifically. I'm gonna say the Mac as a whole. They shouldn't be allowed in at all. Keep them out. They shouldn't be in college football. They should be playing pee wee football. I, I will say though, the the one thing I love about the Mac is all the schools are so close. Uh, I yes. actually I actually went to Ball State my freshman That's year. A fair point. And I went to quite a few games and it, it was fun. Uh, they weren't very good, but you know, I think the Mac has a good place in college football. They did sneak their way into one uh, near six bowl, but I don't expect to see that happen again. And just, they've got a great hashtag for, for Maction. You know, it is, it has, it's very catchy. It's a good catchphrase for football and, uh, and the competitions that happened in that. Right. Conference. And then they give us our hump day night football. So. That's also a big positive in my mind. Big positive. And uh, well, and I think, football. 
the crowning achievement of any college football program. I don't remember who it was, but one of the offensive linemen transferred to Miami, I think. From last season? Yeah. Hmm. I don't remember who it was. Um, and then I know. So uh, are you saying revenge game? Is that a, is that a bold prediction too? a revenge game from set offensive lineman? Uh, no, <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> uh, he's going to be going up against Jawan Briggs and my Jay Sanders and those guys, Malik Van. And I, don't, I don't think so. Spoiler alert. I think we have a conversation about someone being a potential draft pick <laughs> in a future episode. <laughs> So not. what are we who are we doing defensive line next week, Joe? No, next week we're gonna go back to the offensive side of the field and we're gonna tackle another position group that doesn't really have a lot of questions, the tight ends. Oh, I can't wait. Another another uh NFL draft draft hopeful, and it doesn't feel like there's much hope needed. Uh very talented player in particular i'm thinking of but the group itself is a uh, high level so looking forward to chatting with you about that my, my biggest one. hope is that we they're not draft hopefuls because they're coming back in 2022 but <laughs> that's fair but i i do want to once we get done with all the position groups i want us to like keep track of like what we're thinking from a draft perspective because um i want to compare what if what this would look like against say the best what people consider to be some of the best programs in college football and what we're actually we're the reason why i think this year is so special or shaping up to be special or this in future years is that what's happening at cincinnati is massive in terms of like i think it was last year alabama had uh, two or three first round draft picks and if that were to happen at a say Cincinnati, where we're we're seeing the same amount of draft picks as schools like Clemson, like like Ohio State, like Alabama, you know, Luke Fickle is in the uh, position or is in the process of taking UC football to a higher echelon, and then just with the playoff expansion, it can be sustained into the point where we could be talking about if this is instituted in 2023 that we could legitimately be talking about not just making the playoff. But winning the playoffs, winning a national championship, that could be in the conversation, you know, in a few years that it's not just about making it, it's about winning the winning the thing. And when you and if that were to happen, I'm telling you, I I this is my true belief. Luke Fickle's not leaving Cincinnati if he's winning a national championships here. What's the difference between doing <laughs> it here take. and winning at Ohio State? There's no you know what I mean? Like, why would I it makes it quote unquote easier for him? You know, these guys are super, super hyper competitive individuals. It may may no, may not make sense for him to want to do that anymore. He's already kind of shown that it's not necessarily about the money. He was going to get paid more than that Michigan State. That that was, that was that's a foregone conclusion that they could pay him more. I think that you start looking for him elsewhere. I think you start Here's looking my at him in any names of NFL circles. If Luke Vickle wins a national championship at the University of Cincinnati, I don't care what he does after that. You could do whatever you want, Luke. I just don't think I just don't think he's leaving for another college. I think at that point you've reached the pinnacle of the sport and you did it, you know, in probably the hardest way to actually do it. And I think your next step is you're you're going on to a different challenge. You're trying to you're trying to accomplish a different goal, which would be doing at say winning a Super Bowl without Tom Brady. You know, the hardest feat in the NFL. <laughs> I, I'll I say want- I was going to say, I'll, I'll say this. Um, I do think that this uh, playoff expansion is actually huge for keeping Fickle here. 
I I thought that the list of schools he would leave for was really small, and I think it got smaller now because I think one. I think, I think it would go down to one. I think I'd I'd say two. I think we're playing one of them this year, okay. and the other one shellacked us a couple years ago. Uh, so I think those are the only two that uh, you, th- you think Notre is, well, I'm assuming it's not Indiana. Uh, it would be Notre Dame. Notre Dame I, I was thinking Ohio, Ohio State, State specifically. Yeah. yeah, I, th- yeah, I think you would have I'd, a really hard time saying no to Notre Dame, but they, they seem to be in a good position with Kelly. So uh, I don't see that position opening and that's, up soon. That's just going from to a college football team. I don't know where he stands with future NFL opportunities. We saw Sorry, we didn't see, but we heard we saw fake. We heard uh, fake news. We heard fake rumors he apparently was... about Philadelphia Eagles' interest. Though I did hear they were at least sniffing around. That they would may be said, in... they may they may have brought up his name in a meeting, like in passing, but it was <laughs> never like, oh, let's reach out to Fickle's guys and see how interested Luke Fickle right. is. And why the hell wouldn't you reach absolute out? Absolute buffoon. They should. I know they definitely should. They ended up hiring. They hired a buffoon. They hired a buffoon. A an absolute buffoon. They hate him in Philly. I, like he's getting eaten alive. I did want to offer one real time correction, Hummer. You said Alabama had two or three first round draft picks. Alabama had six first round draft picks in 2021. Perfect. We're halfway there. Talent. <laughs> if Cincinnati ever halfway has there. six first round draft picks, I will chug a scan a can of Skyline Chili, no doubt. Book it. Hot take. I'm no. Uh, I'm gonna make you chug two. All right. If they have six first round draft picks, you got to chug two of them back. Two? Are you trying to kill him? Um, I'm a big boy. It'll be okay. Yeah, ah, can, it's gonna go this, this oh, incredible, so Hulk. Yeah. Put um, put it on. Put it on the books. Put it on the books. Write it down. Hold Joe accountable in five years when we've got five. What was it? Five or six first round draft picks. All right. If the Bearcats in that time, if they win a national championship in 2023. I'll get a matching the matching Sea Paul tattoo that you have, Coomer. <laughs> you got it, buddy. Um, I the the with the, the swiftness with which you go from, you know, excited about coach to Hall of Fame to national championship is something that will always amuse me. But look, fellas, hey, we're, we're, I gave myself a good little cushion here of of growth and recruiting, being able to bring in these guys. I don't think I just truly don't think that's out of the realm of possibilities. And I truly do think that if you if Coach Fickle wins a national championship with Cincinnati, what's where what is the point other than money at this point to go somewhere else? You know what I mean? Like, and I, I just don't. I just I know it's going to be hard. It's Ohio State. It's really t- going out and taking a, a flyer on this one. I guess if you would, or taking a big leap of faith to say that he wouldn't leave. Uh, but it just seems that the dynamics change when it is such a realistic possibility that he can win championship after championship at a school like this, where all of a sudden you're now a legend. You're getting your statue is being put outside of Nippert stadium at some point. So I think Joe made, they're renaming it. They're renaming it. The, the fickle Luke fickle stadium. Like that's what's happening in a few years, right? It's he's going to have the whole damn thing named after him if he wins a national championship here, and then on top of that, stays for a few years. Look, we're wrapping this up, Joe. I just wanted to say that the 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 point you made about retaining Fickle is a good one, and we kind of alluded to it in terms of what he can accomplish having this type of expansion in his back pocket. But I do think we're doing ourselves a disservice if every time we talk about it we regress into discussing 
who he leaves for and what he'll leave for. I mean, I'm guilty of he's it. Not, too. He's not leaving for anybody. That's my point. We don't have to discuss who he's going to leave for. He's not leaving. But we for keep anybody. doing it. But we keep doing it. You know, like the guy, he's that that ship has sailed when he passed on the Michigan State job in some respects. So I, I think it helps us. I think it's worth acknowledging. But I also think like let's be let's be confident in ourselves. Let's kind of puff our chest up and and feel good about what what Luke Fickle has accomplished here and what he's going to build into the future. I mean, I think after every season, he's just going to walk out and go, "I'm not leaving." <laughs> Uh, and and I will say, uh, I did take a little dip into our schedule in 2023, uh, when I heard about the expansion and in 2023, we do have games against our, uh, river city rival, the Pittsburgh Panthers. And, uh, we also have a game against NC state. So we have two ACC opponents on the books for 2023. So that could help boost our resume that year. Look, we could we could be in the AACC a- conference and not have to adjust the schedule. <laughs> and then all the ESPN conspiracy here. Oh man, I love it. After after watching ESPN shred the Big East, it would be poetic justice for them to shred the American and pull us into the ACC like we deserved the entire time. <laughs> Cheers to that. You know, we we should have been we should have been the one paying you know, paying escorts to take our recruits around. Okay. We should have been doing that. And, uh, meeting and nice young that. women at Italian restaurants. Yeah. <laughs> oh, premature pee, baby. Let's leave it there, boys. We have clearly, uh, dipped our toes into, I want uh, that to be, I want dirty that to waters. Be like, I want, we, can we package that, that little snippet of you saying premature pee? And sell that as like a uh, text, incoming text uh, tone. (laughs) We can. You can do whatever you want. Maybe an (laughs) NFT. Hummer, let's leave it there. Joe, great to have you on the podcast again. Thanks for all the work you're doing on previewing the team and and shedding some some great insight into college football, where, uh, you know, I think you're you're sharing a lot of good perspective here. And um, I did, you know what, I should mention this. We like it when people who are enjoying the podcast go to iTunes. Make sure you're subscribing to the podcast, sharing it with your friends, your family, your grandma, your grandpa. We really do well with them in particular. Um, but we did get a recent five-star review on the podcast from K.28, who said, bring on the football. Love the new off-season football content. Joe's takes are excellent. Hopefully, he continues to be on the pod. Joe? You are continuing to be on the pod. We appreciate your your efforts here, and you're already being well-received by people online. So if you, like K.28, are enjoying the podcast, head to iTunes and leave a five-star review. Also, head over to the RepublicaCincinnati.com and check out Joe's content. It is fabulous. Yeah, I tried to drop the article uh, Sunday morning, so uh, it'll be there by the time you hear this podcast. So head over, take a read. And uh, feel free to comment if you have any comments, criticisms. I'm down. So thanks for having me on, guys. It's been fun. We'll keep doing it. All right, Joe. We'll talk to you next week, man. Have a good one, guys. Cheers. You too.